0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everybody. In case this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'm an automotive journalist. You can find most of my work at autoguide.com, but maybe somewhere else in the future. More more than maybe, more than Maybe. (laughs) <laughs> but Ben, you can find his work all over the internet. I am so impressed with how many uh, publications Ben has written for. So Ben, why don't you give me the latest ones that you've, uh, you've submitted some content to?
1: You can find myself at Driving Line, uh, Super Street, and Automobile Magazine.
0: Ooh, Automobile Magazine is, like, super legit. It's, like, one of my favorite publications Ooh, ever. I, I do try
1: to write exclusively for, quote, super legit publications. <laughs> it's actually in my contract. It's, it's, you swear that you are super legit, and then you can either do a crazy handshake, like an yeah. elaborate 30-second handshake, or a thumbprint in blood. Those are the two options.
0: I've, I opted for the latter whenever it comes to my contract.
1: And it was a mistake for this podcast, wasn't it, Sammy? <laughs> It was. We've covered it numerous times. Um, you and I bring this... up the moon. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: week we've got some uh, we've got some interesting cards that people might not know a lot about of. So Ben, I want you to take it away with the BMW M850 cabriolet that you drove
1: yeah so i I, bl- I think it was two months ago i drove the coupe and we talked about that on the podcast and for those who aren't familiar the 8 series is the flagship two-door car for bmw now it's it's replaced the 6 series which exists still but only in grand coupe form i think sammy uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that car will eventually be going away too i don't know what they're going to do with the 6 series if they're going to bring it back as something else but until that happens, there's a hardtop version of the M850i, and there's a Cabriolet convertible version. You'll also notice it's got that little tiny, like lowercase M, that's in front of the the number instead of, or sorry, in front of the whole number, like a three digit number instead of just it's it's not the M8. Uh, so it's not a real M. It's a almost M. Well, yeah, right? I don't know if I would say it's not a real M, but almost M is a great way to put it, and this is kind of a. A sticky issue, I think, for BMW from its branding. We've talked about this a bunch of times. There's, mm-hmm. a, there's a two series is like this. The three series now,
0: the M240, now. the M340. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is just kind of how they're going. It's similar to when Audi decided to make its S line of cars the top trim level of whatever series. So like the S4 is just the mm-hmm. most powerful A4 kind of deal. It's not the but not car. an RS4. No, the RS4 is the full sporting version, like the M3 would be the full sporting version. So now that we've got all of that, is it crazy? I hope hope everyone's listened, like, and didn't zone out through all of that. Isn't it it crazy that to talk about this car, we have to get all of that boilerplate out of the way? Like, imagine you're a dealer and you have to sell this car and you're like, okay, are you sitting down? Because here comes the PowerPoint.
0: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Excuse me, I'd like to buy this vehicle. Oh, the M850? Uh yeah, is that an M vehicle? No, 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 but kind of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and the and the M8 is coming. Uh, there'll it be it is a, there'll be a I even more powerful version of this car, which is kind of crazy to think about because I want to talk about. I guess it's a good place to start is the engine. Uh, for this car, it's the same as the one in the coupe. It is a twin turbo V8, and I believe it push puts out just over 500 horsepower. Sammy, is that correct? It's 523 horsepower. 500... And it's
0: a beautiful sounding engine, right? Yeah, it, it sounds, sounds great. and feels great.
1: Uh, 553 pound-feet of torque, Ooh. and uh, it does 60 in 3.8 seconds. Even the convertible. Wow. <laughs> okay, that's really impressive.
0: Um, I don't know how we can actually tell people just how large these eight series um are. They're big vehicles. They really do take up a lot of space on the road, and they're big, wide, heavy vehicles. And to think that something can hit highway speeds in that much time, that little time. Is quite impressive,
1: it's pretty nuts. Uh, it, the car part of why it's able to accelerate so quickly is it, it's all-wheel drive. all wheel drive, all of it. The eight series cars are all wheel drive. It also has four wheel steering. This is a system that at low speeds the wheels turn opposite the ones in the front when you're parking to try and kind of make it easier to maneuver. And when you're on the highway, it turns in line with the front wheels to add more stability. It's not something you're really going to notice, uh, which is great because you'd want any kind of steering system to be transparent. But even when I was parking it, I didn't really notice that the car was easier or harder to park than a similarly sized vehicle. So I can't really comment on whether it's an improvement or whether it's just a gadget they put on the option sheet. The the car feels, or not the option sheet, but the standard equipment list. The the car feels super stable on the highway, period. I mean, it's a very large, very heavy grand touring car, so I would expect stability is just (laughs) part of the package. Right. Um, It's uh, It's as, 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 we've, as I've discussed, Sammy's discussed, when we talked about the coupe, very, very quick in a straight line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has the barking exhaust if you want it. It's, you can set it up so BMW has the Sport, Sport Plus, and Sport individual drive modes. Mm-hmm. And if you go to Sport, um, Sport Plus, that's where everything is super aggressive. You get the, the loudest exhaust and it holds on to the aggressive. Well, too aggressive according to Mr. Hajisad, But uh, <laughs> other human beings might say not aggressive enough. Um, but if you do, if you're like Sammy and you, you just want to chill out sometimes and you wish every car had a quiet start mode, uh, you could go to <laughs> yeah. sport, sport individual, which lets you, it lets you mess around with all the settings. And if you put the engine to sport and everything else to normal, you get a fairly aggressive exhaust note without having to deal with the car always being in like third or fourth gear. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean about
0: that sport, ple- sport plus in the transmission mode. And it's always in like third gear and you're like, this is nuts.
1: Yeah, and if you keep it in sport plus 2, I think I don't think it shifts above 6th gear unless you really, really push it because it's an 8-speed automatic transmission with paddle shifters and the transmission also has a sport mode. I'm going to be honest, I don't know what that additional sport mode does on the transmission because you're already in sport plus and then you can also put the transmission into sport and I think it holds it even longer. But at what yeah. point, Sammy, are you that kid at the party who's holding their breath until they get their way and then you just pass out and hit your head on the table? That's what I'm wondering about holding these gears.
0: That's what you think is happening with the BMW M850 Cabrio. Maybe, um, I've got to admit though, I really would prefer this car to be in the more comfortable settings with the exception of that, um, that engine setting, because I really do like the sound and feel of that, of that powertrain, but I would prefer a car this big to be soft, comfy and, and sort of like uh, carefree to drive. Am I wrong?
1: No, I think you're, I think that's really the raison d'etre for this car. It's, it's supposed to be a comfortable mile eater and, uh, Kind of speaking to that, it brings me to my next point. I'm discussing the handling of the car. I want to point out. Wait, time out. You have points? I have points. It's a 10-point system. We're on point 3.5. I sent you a spreadsheet. Please oh. follow along. You've, been living, this podcast,
0: BMW, you've this, been living this BMW life way too long, the man. The spreadsheet <laughs> will be
1: posted on the podcast, UnnamedAutomotivePodcast.com, so you can follow along at home. Oh, here um, it is. I've got it. Give me a sec. So the, the car weighs 4,600 pounds. Which okay. is which is heavier than a Hellcat Charger, which we are contractually obligated to mention on every podcast. Yeah, uh, thank, thank for cha ching money in the pocket. Thank, Dodge. <laughs> yeah, um, every time. But that's 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 really heavy, and uh, it's as a result, it is not what you would consider fun to drive quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be carving corners with this car. It's competent. You're not going to get in a two-lane road and find yourself in over your head. But it's not the kind of car, even in sport, mega sport, plus sport mode, that's begging you to really get on it and, you know, try to hit every apex or whatever it is the kids say these days. Uh, It's it's a car that's going to make great noises and be comfortable with the top down so you can look at the stars or the trees or the sun going through the leaves overhead and, you can think about all the mistakes hopefully, you've made hopefully in your life. you're not that,
0: staring at that while driving. Well, because... that's,
1: that's one of the mistakes you're thinking about as you cruise in the car. <laughs> like, why am I not watching the road ahead? How did I get to this point? Um, but uh, it, I, once, you know, getting that out of the way, I took the car on a couple road trips, fairly extensive road trips. And it was so comfortable, Sammy. Uh, I really? spent, yeah, I was trapped in, so for part of one of the road trips, I was trapped in traffic bumper to bumper for like an hour. Isn't that and, always the case in Montreal? Well, this is – it was it was the start of a holiday weekend and I was leaving the city to go up north and that's where everyone has their cottages and stuff. And, you know, people who can afford the 8 Series have a cottage. So it's kind of – So you just <laughs> drove to a random cottage up north. Yeah, and, like, and oh, I, this, I demanded to be let in and they saw my key and they're like, well, we got to <laughs> let them in. Um it's it's this new feature BMW has. You know how like some there's like a car subscription ser- service yeah. from like Cadillac and Volvo. Well, BMW has a cottage subscription service where you're just entitled to, yeah. <laughs> to someone else's property <laughs> for the duration of your ownership. Um, right. Anyway, the car's got a, a limited self driving feature where he, mm-hmm. and and this is what I like about it. You can easily switch the cruise control between follow along, um, just just keep maintaining a safe distance and speed, or it'll also mm. steer the car and okay. it's, it's one button and it works fairly well. Uh, for the most part, I could tell when my hands were on the wheel and when they weren't. Yeah. And I just used that for like an hour and the car basically drove itself while the sun beat down upon me because I have a stupid rule where I never put the top <laughs> up in convertibles. Yes. Um, and so I, I baked, but, uh, the car was really comfortable. And then, you know, for the remainder of the trip, it was comfortable as well. Uh the there's wait wait wait, wait, wait. we got to talk about this
0: i've driven the the eight series cab with the um with that uh, self-driving, however, however you want it, the
1: driver assistance feature. Yeah, I think that, it's a seventy-seven hundred dollars option. Is that am, am I wrong? That's right. No, I mean look, that's that's wrong. If there's a nine hundred dollars driving assistance package, which gives you mm-hmm. blind spot monitoring, forward collision warning, lane departure warning, and a surround view camera. I want to point out that almost all of that stuff is standard on most <laughs> non-luxury cars. Yeah. That, that you're not paying a hundred and twenty-six thousand dollars for. Okay, but about that
0: um, adaptive cruise control that brings the car to a stop, and it holds the, the brakes until the car in front of you has set off again, and it, like, it doesn't have, like, an automatic shutoff timer or anything like that, which a lot of other adaptive cruise controls No, it does. It do. does. It does. What? Yeah. How long must it be? Because I've used it for, like, minutes.
1: Yeah, well uh, it actually it wouldn't go it wouldn't advance a couple times until I hit the the gas pedal. But for almost all the time it did. But I guess Montreal's a little more extreme and they were like, <laughs> well the computer's the computer's off taking a nap or something, whatever it has to do. That's part of a $1700 package. Um I think that that's there's there's two there's two packages and if you get the 1700 one, you get everything I just mentioned earlier plus the adaptive crows control and the lane centering and all this stuff. And you got
0: a sunburn while driving the M A fifty Cabrio. Do you think that, you know, like, luxury automakers with their automated fragrance systems should also have, like, an automatic, um, like, sunscreen
1: spray that they put out on Yeah, people? well, you know there's an air scarf, right? In the car? <laughs> on this car? Yeah. yeah, they don't call it that, but that's what it is. It's like a, a hot air that comes out of the seat, and it's pretty cool when it's cold outside. It, it's a great way to to stay toasty, but there's no reason why they couldn't just shoot some kind of goo out of that <laughs> that same system <laughs> and cover the back of my neck and prevent me from getting, or maybe create like a UV blocking bubble above the car. Uh huh. You know, uh-huh. Are you with me? And it's transparent I mean, and it kills birds, but it also blocks the sun. Okay, that's I, what I. That's that what might I want. not.
0: That might not pass regulations, but I think we can get it done.
1: Um. The there is there the the, the car is pretty quiet on the highway with the top down. If you put the windows oh. up. Yeah, it's super quiet it's very impressive for for an open car with the windows down it can get loud but there's like a there's a wind deflector and i kind of want to <laughs> this is kind of funny so there's something i don't like about the wind deflector sammy and that's it, it's it's like a uh, it's in the trunk and yeah. it's it's a manual wind deflector that i have to pop in to there's two holes on either side of the cabin it's easy yeah. enough to do but am i a peasant sammy do I have to, like, go in my trunk, pull this out, and put it inside? Like, that seems like someone someone who's paying this much for this car is going to be so upset that they have to do that.
0: And then they have to take it out, too. I well, mean, I don't know if the wind deflector still fits in the car when they when the roof is up.
1: I don't know either, but I can tell you that in addition to having a mesh screen that comes up between the seats behind you, there's also a mesh screen over top of the rear seats. Yeah, what is that all about? So I have a theory. One is it lets you cage an animal or unruly human child in the rear seats with the top Uh down, which is somehow safer. Or two, their lawyers were like, hey, if someone's in the back seat with the wind deflector installed and there's an accident, they're going to hit the wind deflector with their face. And BMW is like, hmm, the cheapest way around that is to make it impossible to sit in the back seat. When the wind deflector is installed. So that's, what, uh, that's my theory. So you think it's a safety feature? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Well, safety in, like, air quotes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have one safety feature to talk about, and that is the um, gear selector and iDrive controller in the M850. First of all, we've always commented that this thing is a little too shiny and a little too reflective. A little, a little
1: too clairs. <laughs>
0: Yes, and now you're driving it with the with no roof, and it, therefore the sun is beaming right into it and it blinded blinding. Only once!
1: It blinded <laughs> it. I'm not exaggerating. I looked down, it hit me in the eye, and I was like, ah, what's going on? And I was like, ah, oh, well-played, BMW. <laughs> um, I love this car because this these are the funniest things to
0: laugh at, because it's such a good, competent vehicle. Yeah. And it's just that these incredibly, in, like convoluted things that no other car has these kinds of problems because no other car is this like high end i suppose or th- try so hard in every other way that these are the funny little nitpicks that you can find in it
1: so i i put the top up at one point uh, when i was driving <laughs> at night i know well it was raining really hard actually i drove it extremely through extremely hard rain and didn't get wet well done bmw aerodynamics are perfect on this car for that but at one mm, point did you, have was, the defle- did you have the wind deflector on i did not i did not That's i had the windows probably. up but uh, I had the top-up, and I can tell you that with the top-up, it is one of the quietest convertibles I've ever ridden in.
0: Really? Yeah. I was wow.
1: very impressed by how insulated it was. It's close to the coupe in terms of internal noise, and that's not easy to do. Okay. So uh, that's that's definitely something that I was impressed with. Um, I only ever had one other passenger in the car when I was driving. There's not a ton of room in the back seats, yeah. regardless of how big this car is. So keep that in mind if you're looking for like a family convertible, I'm not sure that this is it. Okay. Um I will admit that I do like the
0: 8 series, but I'm not as I'm not as big on the 8 series as I like the coupe as I was on the Lexus LC and uh in this case the there is no there is no significant alternative to the Uh, M850. Other than I guess the S
1: class, I think there. I think there are a lot of alternatives. I think, as you said, S class Cabrio, definite, uh, Mm. definite alternative. I think the 911 convertible is also uh, similar in terms of price and performance. Um, Maybe a little less comfortable, but yeah, a little bit more
0: sporty. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's it's more sporty, but it's certainly in the same. It's certainly a grand touring car. I mean, you're in you're in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. Uh, Past that. I'm not sure exactly. If you want to throw the R8 in there, I think that's a bit of a stretch because you have a mid-engine sports car at that point and you have no mm-hmm. backseat at all. So and
0: F-Types are a little bit smaller than F- F-type. general F-Type.
1: F-Type yeah. is also half the price and yeah. has no backseat. So I think that hmm. F-Type is more of a Corvette competitor. Uh, okay. So it, you're right. It is kind of on its own. Um, I will say this. this is In terms of subjective feel, and this surprised me because I like convertible cars, I did not enjoy the Cabriolet as much as I did the Coupe.
0: I don't think, but you miss out on that blinding part and the (laughs) mesh um, um, wind deflector. Those are intangibles.
1: I think that the coupe really makes a statement, Mm -hmm. style wise. I think that the eight series convertible is somewhat more homogenous in terms of design. I I just,
0: I agree with you. I I agree with you on this. And I know usually good good podcasting has conflict and arguments and then resolution at the end, but. I agree with you. I think the 8 Series Coupe makes such a great statement with this design. It's probably one of the prettiest um, BMW designs out there right now. And the Cabrio doesn't quite have that same look. No, I, th-
1: I think it's because they have to deal with the rising belt line of the convertible, which is necessary for safety. And uh, there's only so much you can do in terms of you know how you're going to store. The the, the the trunk has to be high enough to store the roof and all that stuff. There has to be enough space for everything to work. And mm-hmm. I think it looks good. I just don't think it cuts the same profile. And if you look at other BMW convertibles, particularly the the Z4, which I'm going to be discussing next week, I think the Z4 is an outstanding achievement for styling for BMW. In an open car. And I don't think that the M850 really kind of lives up to that. And I think it's better in coupe form. Uh, one more, one more thing. There is another competitor we didn't mention because no one ever thinks of this car. The Maserati Gran Turismo convertible. Oh, right. Yeah. Which is a similar price if you want old technology in a, in a, in a wonky package. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and I'm going it, to, it's just, uh, it's a car that I like. It's at a tricky price point because there's a lot of options at that point where maybe you're not necessarily going to get a convertible, or maybe you're going to go for something a little more extreme performance-wise, or whether you're going to go for a big SUV. Uh, it's, I think people do cross-shop convertibles and SUVs if they're trying to just buy the best car they can for that money, like the most car they can for that money, and kind of flash, flash their cash a little bit. So it's kind of a weird part of the market. Interesting.
0: Okay. Um, anything else you want to add for the um, for, towards the 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 M eight fifty?
1: The the trunk space is somewhat limited. Uh, mm-hmm. I did manage to fit a fair amount of luggage inside of it I, uh, on the road trip, uh, including hard hard packed suitcases. So you can do it, but mm-hmm. we also ended up using the back seat because that's kind of more what it's for than than for actual people. Interesting.
0: Okay. Um, I did not drive anything nearly as impressive or um, high-end as the M850 Cabrio. But I drove something that I think uh, I was very curious about until I started driving it. Um, this <laughs> oh, that the, doesn't sound good. This is the Honda Passport. The 2019 Honda Passport, which went on sale earlier this year, is a uh, – I guess it's an SUV or a crossover that is, that is best described in terms of looks as a more rugged, shorter pilot. That's the best way you can des- you can describe Well, isn't
1: it, it? Isn't that not just in terms of looks? If you were to look under the skin, that's pretty much what it is, right? It's like it's a two row pilot. There's a little bit more going on here. It's got a slightly higher ride height. It's got
0: you know some some. So it's, it's a two row pilot on stilts. Right. Um, it's got some interesting technology that I'm really eager to talk about. So let's talk about under the hood. It's got a, the same pilot engine, a 3.5 liter V6 that makes 280 horsepower and 262 pound feet of torque. It's not a ton of horsepower or torque, but Honda is really pitching this as sort of an off-road capable vehicle. And you don't really need a lot of, uh, power or torque in that, in that regard.
1: So so let's, let's just press pause on that for a second. Sure. Many, many years ago, Honda didn't have an SUV to, of its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone was selling SUVs. So Honda did two really unusual things. One of them was they branded a uh, a Land Rover. Yes. Okay. And they sold it in Japan as a Honda. And to this day, it remains the only production Honda with a V8 engine. Um, then they got, I believe, a vehicle from Isuzu. Is that mm-hmm. right? And I think they, that's right. they called that the passport. It was the Isuzu yeah. Rodeo. And then they call that the passport, and that was a true off-road vehicle. That was like, you know, rugged underneath, body on frame, can take some abuse. Flash forward to today, and Sammy's been reading some marketing materials which tell him that this is also off-road. So I'm gonna unpause now. Okay, so that engine
0: and that is paired up to a really interesting um all-wheel drive system. They call it intelligent variable torque management management, which is insane. I don't think we should call things like that. Um G T C I-V-T-M-4.
1: Okay, that's great. (laughs) Wonderful.
0: Um, So what's interesting about it is that it provides uh, torque vectoring through a rear differential that allows it to send, um, I believe, 70% of the power to the rear axle and then 100% of that power to either um, left or right wheel as needed. So can I pretty,
1: do like can I push a switch and like do that and do like a one wheel burnout? Would you just like out? to have seventy percent of the horsepower? <laughs> no, I want a hundred percent of the power on the right rear wheel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no,
0: that'd be neat. But there are some buttons to press that uh, adjust the way that this um, all-wheel drive system sends power to the rear wheels. Um, there's just four settings: there's normal, sand, snow, and mud, which, as we all know, are all of the potential driving
1: conditions. Um, you'll never drive there. anywhere else you 'll never drive on say moon you don 't need moon <laughs> or or coral i mean that 's just weird right or uh, or um a boreal forest i don 't mm-hmm. think anyone's anyone's doing that that's um, kind of mud that's kind of like mud or alpaca i mean oh that makes me shudder <laughs> I just want to go back to the 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 one hundred percent power
0: seventy percent of the power to the rear wheels, and then all of that seventy percent. Um, So 100% of of the 70% 100% of the 70% That's
1: Minus 30% (laughs) Okay, so you remember when you used to be able to buy those tires that um, would smoke different colors? Yeah So what if you got like a red tire on the left and a blue tire on the right and you had Mm -hmm. a switch And you could do this like coordinated smoke show with different colors swirling together like an ice cream cone That's what you want to do I'm saying it would be cool. Would you, buy, saying...
0: would you find the Passport more interesting and would you call it less of just a small pilot? Oh,
1: 100%. Did... <laughs> I would 1,000% find it more interesting if I could do a multicolored smoke show with the touch of a button. Are you saying I, – I, 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 are you insane? That That is like – that is my dream, Sammy. Um, the the Passport, for its
0: off-road, for its off-road ability and that interesting all-wheel drive system – Um, it disappointed me in a couple of ways. First, did did you go off-roading? Not really. I went, uh, bumbling around in a, in a gravel lot, which was as off-roading as I can get. Um, and it was, it actually really did handle that perfectly fine. And the suspension was really well tuned for that. In fact, I was impressed. I was more impressed with how it handled that kind of soft-roading, I guess is the best way to describe it, than it is on the normal asphalt, where it feels um it feels a little too stiff and it can also feel a little like lean happy in uh whenever you take it cornering this car doesn't come with um hill descent control which i think is what a lot of cars that are that call themselves off-road ready have not that i think that like hill descent control is the must-have feature but you know it's probably a feature that that all of its competitors if it has competitors have right
1: I mean, I guess so. It's always seemed to me seemed to be like a gadget for me for, you know, a soft roading vehicle. I uh, you know how I feel about if you're going to go off roading, you're you're doing it for fun. So you don't need something like hill descent control because you're going to want to descend the hill yourself and control right. that yourself it's like having a self-driving race car it doesn't make a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. uh so I, I always just view it as kind of a gadget I, I don't know how often this actually gets used if you use your held set control and you're listening right now write in and tell us when you use it and how you use it and if it's helpful to you because i'd love to hear that we need uh we need locations and gps coordinates so and, uh, yeah yeah we're gonna confirm totally gonna G- um,
0: google google satellite view that the issue I had actually was with the transmission. There's a nine speed automatic transmission on this and there were times when it was really well sorted out, and there's times when it was really not. In particular, changing from reverse to drive, there was a lot of rollback that happened in either situation. Really? So I, I really hate it when that happens. Um because you think you're going in reverse and the car just starts rolling forward a little bit and you get you panic. Like what happens if you're, you know, parallel parking <laughs> or something like that, right? Um, And and that's just it's just not something I was expected. Additionally, fuel economy wise, this isn't the most fuel friendly vehicle Um, that probably has something to do with the higher ride height that um, the the added weight of all of that um, off road gear. And just in general, I don't think it's as aerodynamic as other SUVs. So as a result, I think it got 21 miles per gallon while I was, <laughs> I was driving it, which is not a very uh, boastful figure in any way or form. No, and that's that, does, that does not seem great. This car even has cylinder deactivation. And I still managed to get that, um, that terrible of a fuel economy number. Um, and that was, that was what I was really unha- unimpressed with. The interior as well, like this car comes to about $44,000, which is a lot of money. Um, and the so how,
1: how different is that compared to a Pilot?
0: Yeah, the Passport is actually more expensive than a Pilot. Are thing, you serious? As a, star- as a starting price. Um, I'm not sure what a fully loaded um, Pilot costs, but mine was 44000 and that seems very close to what a, a Pilot would command as well.
1: Yeah, that does seem like a lot, especially since you know a pilot is a more versatile vehicle, and I'm assuming they're going to get similar fuel mileage. Uh, you would think that mm-hmm. the, the that that the pilot was going to underperform in this category because of its size and its weight, but that doesn't really seem to be the case at all. No, so but the the passport. Um, The interior
0: actually was a little bit of a disappointment for $44,000. Yes, it's extremely spacious, uh, has a ton of headroom, especially in the back. And what I love about most Honda vehicles is they have a bajillion places to hide your like whatever stuff you've got. There's like this really impressive under tray storage area in the in the passport and it starts to make it, it starts to make me realize that this isn't an off road vehicle in the same way that I, I guess a Wrangler would be, but this is more like um, I think it's actually closer to a Cherokee or Grand Cherokee competitor, which is a family friendly vehicle that can also do some pretty decent off roading um, as well.
1: Decent off? What do you mean by decent off roading? Do you mean like you could actually take this through a mud pit? Oh, definitely. I think so. I mean, you think got, you could take it through a mud pit? I do. I really do.
0: Um, wow. It's got some- Pretty good um, off-road measurements as well. I mean, we've got a 21.4 degree um, approach angle, 17.3 breakover angle, and uh, 27.2 departure angle, which aren't too bad at all.
1: How many people do you think are going to Honda for an off-road vehicle? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to – I'm trying
0: to visualize the sort of guy that goes off-roading or or like – Or girl. And and I don't see them ending up with a Honda. You know what I mean? No, I, I don't see it either. (laughs) <laughs> but as a result, that's what I'm trying to get at is that I think this could be a family friendly vehicle. But then there are small things that really like make me think otherwise. For example, these really rugged looking metallic sidesteps that I'm I've already bashed my knees into my, my shins into like twice. And I'm not a child, but if my child hit that thing, they'd probably cry immediately. <laughs> um and and I don't know, there's just some other things that I, I get stuck wondering who exactly this car um, is designed for. But I think Honda just wanted to make something for that mid-sized SUV segment or crossover segment. Cars like the um, Ford Edge, like the Grand Cherokee, like I mentioned before, maybe even like the Kia Sorento. Things in that class of vehicle that uh, Honda just didn't have a, a truck for. And it's just the best way to describe
1: it is like a softer forerunner, maybe, is the best way to say it. But I mean, if, even a forerunner is a, is a body on frame vehicle, right? It's that's one right. of the last legacy vehicles from Toyota. So, softer forerunner, I mean, that could, would that describe a, for, a Forester?
0: No, I mean, that's a little, I think that's a bit too soft.
1: Okay, so you're saying the Passport is more off road like ready than a, than a Forester? Like an Outback, yeah. I do. So, you're saying the Outback is more off road ready than a Forester is? I, I think, think it's exactly I think, the exact vehicle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think the Outback is a tiny bit bigger and uh, has a little
1: bit more power. So as a result, it, it has should... more power than a Forester. The Outback. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, it's the same engine options. I guess you can get the V6. Not anymore. You know, the flat six, right? Now the new one will come with that turbo four. Yeah, But no one's driven that. So we have no idea. Well,
0: I'm, I'm going to bet on it.
1: <laughs> well, that's because you're going to be driving it, aren't you?
0: Uh, I really wish. I actually am not. I'm going to be driving the. I think the Legacy in a few in a in a month or so. So oh, okay. I'm excited to drive that. I I wanted to to find out what the deal was with the passport. And after driving the passport, I'm I'm stuck wondering who exactly this car is for. I haven't seen very many on the road, which uh, I think proves a point. Um, I don't know who this this vehicle is for. Like that's the point. It it, it is supposed to be their adventurous crossover and sure, it can probably boast that, but there's already so many other vehicles that can do exactly what this is doing um, for probably less and with fewer compromises.
1: Well, that's... I mean...
0: You Does know, that make sense?
1: It, yeah, because if you don't have that built-in audience, if you don't have people who are showing up at your, at your dealership specifically for that kind of vehicle, and you already have a vehicle with a good reputation in essentially the same segment, but the segment plus one, I think it's mm. going to be a hard sell. Uh, but it's it's most likely a very cheap play for Honda to do this. I mean, to, to produce this vehicle isn't really costing them anything extra, is it?
0: No, I don't think so. And I will say, like, both the... It's not just the Pilot that it's based off of, but the Pilot has some... The the passport also shares a lot of its parts with the Ridgeline, which as well is I mean similar similar platform as the as the pilot and the passport. So I mean there is trucking DNA somewhere to be found in here and I think it's there. I have to also admit, driving this thing, as soon as I got in, you immediately realize how tall and wide the vehicle is. It doesn't feel like a pilot in that regard, which is far more friendly, accommodating. It feels like a very large Accord at times. And the the passport doesn't have that persona. It drives differently than a pilot, 100%.
1: Do you have anything uh, you kind of want to wrap up on the pilot? Or is this – I mean – it's, it's that it's it's so
0: difficult to talk about this car because of just how many different things it's trying to do. But I would just describe it as a practical yet rugged um, SUV. But it's not up to it's not a Wrangler competitor. it's, no, not a, it's like it's like, not it's like an FJ Cruiser. You know,
1: I'm trying to think if like a, a company like Kia came out with a a, 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 a if they took a, the Sorento raced and raised it. Yeah, and they were like, here's like a, and, yeah. a two-row Sorento that goes off-road. I don't think anyone would really be into that other than for the image, but I just don't think the passport even has the image. Yeah, I haven't
0: seen a lot of marketing, or I haven't seen them in places, you know, that maybe, you know, what they need to do is just go to Moab in it, and that's it. That's the play, um, <laughs> and show off all the Jeeps. I, I, I am... I was both impressed but more disappointed with what the Passport ended up being because, great, Honda could do some really interesting off-roading, um, you know, capable F, um, SUV, but why? And for, <laughs> and for how much it's, it was, it is more expensive than a Pilot, and that's insane. I mean, if you want a practical vehicle, you go in that direction. And if you want an SUV, uh, an off-road-ready SUV, um, a Wrangler is cheap, man, is very affordable, And in in comparison, and why wouldn't you just go in that direction?
1: There's one more thing I wanted to talk about in the podcast this week before we signed off. And it's something that we can't avoid because I don't think anyone's been able to avoid it on the Internet in the last two weeks. Uh, That's the C8 Corvette.
0: Oh, we're bringing up the C8 Corvette today. This isn't such a cool thing to talk about because I didn't expect it to be as good as what we ended up hearing about.
1: Well, I didn't expect it to be as cheap. That was the (laughs) thing that surprised me. It's it's they so for this. So yeah, let's go.
0: Let's go through the basics. Here we go. C8 Corvette is finally
1: mid-engined. That's the most important part, right? I guess so. I mean, another important part is no more manual transmission. Uh, It's going to be an eight-speed automatic only, Mm -hmm. and um, it still maintains a. I think it's. I can't remember if it's a six point two, but it's a. It's a five hundred, roughly five hundred horsepower pushrod V8. So there's no crazy turbo like the Blackwing Corvette engine, or sorry, Cadillac engine that everyone thought would be in this car. There's no DOHC. There's no um, elaborate technologies. I mean, there are elaborate technologies. Just the basic architecture of the car remains true to what has been in the Corvette for decades. Mm-hmm. And it'll do 60 in like 2.7 seconds or something crazy like that. Apparently, yeah, Peter, under, th- under three seconds. Yeah. So all of those things are nuts. Uh, it looks semi-generic. In in yeah. this, in the sense that it looks like a mid-engine sports car from the year 2019. Yeah. Um, it's not that's neither good nor bad. It's just you know when you put the engine there, it dictates a lot of things about how your car is going to look. Yeah. And uh, but but the fact that all of this is happening for sixty thousand dollars when a, a nine eleven I think starts at eighty. <laughs> like yeah. A, like a base nine eleven. That's a really crazy and thing is to do. Lower to sixty. Yeah, that's a really and crazy less thing power. to do. So, I know. Sammy, do you want one of these more than you want a C7? Ooh.
0: Well, I can get a C7 with a, with a manual, so that ends that conversation.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. Uh, anyone listening, if you have an opinion on the C8 versus C7, I would love to hear it because I'm very curious to see just how this car is resonating with sports car fans because it's got a ton of attention because it uh, it is great. I mean, it's a great vehicle in, in terms of um, what it brings to you on paper. No one's driven it yet. We don't have any impressions. It's so, we can't pass judgment on it. But it seems to make all the right moves. But the C seven is also excellent. It's so, very good. Excellent. Yes. So uh, has this just plunged C seven resale values into the depths of the ocean, or like
0: what's the deal? It is curious. You're 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 definitely right. Um, the C eight though. Okay, I want to I want to walk back my my transmission statement. Look, if you want to get a fast sports car, uh, especially one that's apparently This fast and this capable for under $60,000, you're not going to find anything else that can do it And you're gonna want if you want speed you're gonna get that through a a dual clutch transmission personally, I think um, some sports guards should have a manual transmission because it's about that engagement it's about uh, enjoying yourself on the road because um, Not everything's about speed but I'm I'm impressed by by the, the specs and some of the things I'm not impressed with, you mentioned the, the exterior design. I don't think that's as big of a deal as the interior design, which if you look at, is completely catered to the driver, um, including a giant row of buttons.
1: Yeah, on... very very Porsche style coming down the side of a angled center console, kind of like the lip of that center console has a whole bunch of obsidian buttons baked into it. And I think, a I think they're for spoke... climate control.
0: And a two-spoke two uh, steering wheel with a ton of buttons on it, including what I'm looking at now is a Z button or a Z button. Um, Z, I suppose, is for Zora, which is, I guess, the name of the platform or the, the man who helped uh, bring the Corvette into reality a long time ago. And what, like, what? We need buttons. We need more buttons, Right.
1: Well, I'm sure if you look under the seat, there's probably some buttons there. Uh, pop open the glove box, there's some buttons inside the glove box, buttons in the center console, buttons in the trunk area that are deactivated while you're driving in case you have a prisoner and you do not want them to escape. Uh, Which and I remember, of course, the, the front, front trunk. trunk or rear trunk? The okay. rear trunk is just for golf clubs. Golf clubs don't need buttons. Yes, that's right. Oh, also, though, uh, one thing I've heard is that you can't put both the targa roof and golf clubs in the trunk. You must choose. Oh. So it's either sunburns or sunburns on the golf course.
0: <laughs> okay, but is there a um, an item somewhere on the dash that will reflect l- the sunlight right into your eyes as you're driving? It's a $900 a dollar. option, yes. Na- <laughs> the Corvette uh, light diffuser.
1: It's a second mirror. <laughs> you can actually get a chrome dash. It's not a popular option. It attracts birds. <laughs> it- <laughs> I will admit... $60,000 for a
0: V8-powered mid-engine vehicle is, is insane. That I wouldn't have imagined that. I still don't believe it. You know what I mean? Like, I still can't believe that something like this happens. Do, what else is in that price range? Like, I guess a base Cayman, if there is such a thing, and a Alfa Romeo 4 A
1: GT500 Mustang. But that's right not a mid-engine there. car. No, but it's right around there, just in terms of, like, what this is going up against. If you want a V8. Mm. I would take a Corvette over that. I think most people would. <laughs> but, again, we have to drive it. We haven't driven either of them, so it's – I mean, Chad has, but a uh, jury's still out for us. Chad Kirshner, frequent guest, uh, supporter of the show. Shout out to Chad. I believe it was his birthday recently. Yeah, uh, happy, birthday, wanted, happy birthday, Jack.
0: I didn't even Jack. know that he drove the C8. He's been keeping on the DL.
1: No, not the C8. He drove the GT500. Oh, the GT500. We yes, actually did a course. podcast about yes, it. Yes, I do remember this. <laughs> Leave me alone.
0: I thought we were
1: talking about the C8. Erase and rewind, Sammy. Erase okay. and rewind. Okay. So if, if anyone else wants to remind Sammy of what he's been forgetting all of these years, memento style that he hasn't tattooed on his body uh you can get a hold of us in a number of ways the easiest way is probably social media sammy prefers the cesspool that is twitter and you can find him there at sammy underscore ha like you're laughing you can find me on instagram where people are much friendlier and it's at hunting benjamin or if you're like me and still use email you can email me directly benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com, or use the contact form on our website sammy where is our website found our website is found on the internet Okay, is that like a, a series of tubes that lead you to podcasts? Um,
0: you know what? Here's what you do. You go to your internet browser, you go to the address
1: entry form. Right, I have to cut in... you off right here. Unnamedautomotivepodcast.com <laughs> will take you to everything we've ever done in podcast ever. form. <laughs> yes. And... uh, uh you can you dot can, uh, clickety everything It's right there. All of our old episodes. You can subscribe using many buttons that we have arrayed. Uh, we basically listen.
0: have the ch- the C8 Corvette interior of websites.
1: We've got so many buttons. <laughs> that's what but- I said. That's what I said to the, the developer. I'm like, can you make it look more like something a boomer would like? And they were like, you mean like the C8 interior? And I was like, Exactly.
0: So we've got all those buttons there so you can subscribe. You can also, like Ben said, get in contact with us. And you can check out all of our past episodes as well as images of the cars that we've been driving, which is pretty handy uh, on our audio medium that we have here.
1: And we're not doing Facebook anymore by popular demand. So don't look for us on Facebook. It's a ghost town. All right, Ben. What are you driving next week? Well, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I'm go- I'm going from driving the largest convertible BMW makes to the smallest convertible they make, the Z4, the M40i version of the C4 of the Z4, actually. So uh, I'm excited to talk about that. I'm very
0: jealous. I'm going to be driving some compact cars, the Elantra, the Civic, and the Corolla, the sedans. So I'm very excited to do that.
1: All right. So until next week, thank you everyone for listening.
0: Bye.